Miller. On this week's episode, we have Mrs. Aaron Wilder of Sod Solution Pros. Uh, it was an incredible episode with so much great content discussing all the different areas specifically on her journey and what she's accomplished through her uh time as a sod farmer moving into a role at sod solution and expanding the company so much and being a part of that expansion and truly providing so many sports field managers golf course superintendents homeowners and so many more uh with really important knowledge and providing them the best varieties of turf grass and providing them the correct way of growing the different patent turf grasses that sod solution has and truly uh, her work never stops and the way that she is passionate about everything that comes with uh, turf grass management is truly inspiring Um, from her time where she worked to defend uh, local uh, high schools and community centers to prevent artificial turf from being put in because of the dangers that are presented and just overall including lobbying uh, in Florida to ensure that turf grass managers are able to do their job uh, the best they can and obviously the safest they can Um, we really dive into environmental stewardship and how we as sports field managers and golf course superintendents are truly ones that are going to carry on that torch and provide an incredible environmentally safe uh, space and it, it was just awesome to have her on uh, because again someone so passionate about everything that we're doing truly shows what is incredible about this industry Um, And we had an absolute blast. Aaron, we cannot thank you enough. Uh, Everybody, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Tiger Turf Talk. All right. Welcome to the 103rd episode of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host, Drew Miller, with your co-host, Liz Rice. Today, we have on an incredible guest. We have Aaron Wilder, the Executive Director of Business and Professional Development for Sod Solutions. How are you doing this afternoon? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Oh, you know, it's been a chaotic couple of weeks heading into Christmas, but uh, it's we were actually just we just got back from Charlotte. We were at uh, the ACC championship helping paint, so it's been a pretty chaotic couple of weeks for us. But we're here and we're we're having fun, so that's all that matters, right? That's so fun. Yes, it is a busy time of year with the holidays, the end of the year, everything. For sure. So I actually just saw you down at Myrtle Beach. Uh, we were, we were actually with Chris Ball, good friend of Liz's, actually. Um, with everything, obviously, these events are important. If you could sort of speak to what your role is at Sod Solutions and just the company as a whole, just sort of, again, being one of the top distributors, top uh, genetic working, everything when it comes to turf grass management, if you could just give us a little overview and everything that you do. Yeah. So I have worked with Sod Solutions for almost 17 years. Um, and Sod Solutions is a company that works with breeders and universities all over the world to identify turf selections and take those turf selections to market. So we license producers all over the world. We have about 250 farms worldwide that grow one or multiple of our products. And a few years ago, we started a business unit called Sod Solutions Professionals. And with that unit, I now lead that business and we work within users. So sports turf managers, golf course superintendents, architects, builders, HOAs, anybody that we feel is in the professional sector, not a homeowner, 
to help them with selecting the right turf variety for their application, to source that variety with our network of growers, get it delivered and to also get it installed and then post-installation maintenance of it. So kind of like a full service opportunity for end users. Absolutely. Now, 17 years is a, is a long time and there's a lot of great things that have happened in our industry over that time frame. Uh, in your experience, what have been some of those big moves that you've seen in the company? Uh, I know you guys with Latitude and all these new hybrids coming out, there's a lot of things that you guys push out into the market and it's a game changer for so many, you know, um, talking about again, coming up to even up Chicago now is probably the north most north there is when it comes to Bermuda grass. What has it been like for you seeing sort of that transition over the years to having uh, what was a quality product 17 years ago to now that is just something out of this world compared to what was then uh, when you first started? So when I first started, um, I actually started in the industry a couple years before I started with Sod Solutions. My family has a sod farm in North Florida in row crops. We do a lot of things, but I began my career in the sod industry with my family farm. Started out selling grass. We were primarily a residential, commercial focused farm. I sold a lot of zoysia, a lot of St. Augustine, a lot of centipede. We didn't grow any Bermuda grass. Um, sold us out, started managing our operation, managed our sod operation for a couple of years, and then decided to spread my wings and ended up landing with Sod Solutions. I was licensed to grow. Empire and Palmetto. So when I began with Sod Solutions in 2006, um, we had four grasses and we had just come out with the fourth grass. So to see where we sit today as a company with over 20 varieties, it's been truly incredible to see the, the scope of who we reach and the areas that we reach and not having just a couple of grasses that any one time I walk into a facility, I know that there is something out there on the market that can fit their needs, whether it's a sod solutions variety or a non-sod solutions variety, because that's the advantage of what I do with sod solutions professionals is whatever the end user needs is what I want to get them. So, um, but, you know, I would say that Latitude and Northbridge have truly been some of the most incredible game changers on the market for our sports turf managers and golf course superintendents, because those are varieties that spread a larger geographical area that no other grass has really done before, especially when it comes to Bermuda grass, because 419 didn't have that cold tolerance, Celebration didn't have that cold tolerance to really push that far north, but also they work all the way down into the tropical climates. So it has been exciting to see what those varieties have taken to the market and the game changer they are for the end users that are using them. Absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree with you more on the sense of the geographical and it's even gotten broader as the years have gone on. You know, a lot of the Northbridge and again, like you said, Latitude, they were really focusing and honing in on that that transition zone. I remember I was at Virginia Tech when uh, we put Latitude in. I think it was the second year that you guys had it out. And then mm -hmm. obviously people like Travis Hogan in Kansas City with the Northbridge, who is, again, I don't know how he's perfected it, but he's perfected <laughs> everything that he, he does. Has. You know? Um, to the point where I was on the phone with, uh, Brandon Harden the other day and they have it down at Mississippi state now, which is yep. like, when you're talking about the range and the, again, the variety of it, like 
it's incredible to see how far that can stretch from having those cold winters to, I mean, Mississippi state is starting to have colder winters, but at the same time, like it's nothing like Kansas city. So it's, it's truly incredible to see again, that range with everything that's going on with that. Um, Now you had mentioned uh, the sod farm and everything with that. What was that sort of like sort of influencing you and going off on your own and being a part of the family uh, farm and everything that goes into that, because there are so many things that no one truly understands about operating that. What it was sort of that background behind operating the farm and then bringing that to this next stage with Sod Solutions that, again, you now are covering in a whole different company inside Sod Solutions. Yeah. So um, my father started our Sod operation in the 80s. He left in the 90s to go run the dairy division um, and my uncle took over. So I graduated from college after living in D.C., uh, came back home and was considering graduate school and had decided at that point that um, my degree in psychology and what I had anticipated I wanted to do for my graduate school had changed. And I always had a passion for agriculture. I'm a seventh generation agricultural family from North Florida and grew up on our farm, spending my summers and weekends with my grandparents out there. And um, my dad and my uncle both mentioned to me, they said, hey, would you be interested in coming out and working at the farm? And I kind of laughed at them and said, I don't really know anything about grass, but I'm sure I can figure it out. So I jumped on board and, um, and then ended up being successful in what I was doing. And so they said, hey, why don't you manage the production operation? And grow our sod operation. And so at the time when I started, we were a small operation, 100 acres. I mean, we're in North Florida. There's not a lot of major metropolitan areas around us. So I said, sure. And um, I grew us to over 350 acres. And that was an exciting opportunity and venture. I brought in new turf varieties, the license varieties. We were one of the only growers of El Toro Zorgia in the state of Florida. And so I would ship all the way into the Keys from North Florida Um, It was a very exciting adventure, but realized that in my early to mid-20s, I didn't want to be on a farm at that point for the rest of my career, that I needed to kind of step out, spread my wings, and experience the world in other areas. So I I started looking and um, was pleasantly connected with Sod Solutions. I knew who they were. I worked with them as a grower. And at that point, they were in a position of trying to kind of really connect growers and the agricultural side with understanding the education and the marketing side. And I, and I really push education because that is the, the key of what we do with our end users on educating them on turf varieties. So because I had a production and also a sales and marketing background on the farm and what Sod Solutions was doing at the time with really trying to say, hey, to a grower, you've got to get out there and tell your story and educate it in user in the early 2000s before really much social media had hit at that point. Um, it was the perfect fit. So so it gave me an opportunity to be able to walk into a farm and say, I, I understand what you're dealing with on an agricultural basis, but here's a different perspective and how we need to look at presenting yourself to your customer and your client. Um, and as I grew and was successful with educating those end users, I started doing a lot of trade shows with Sod Solutions. And when I started, we had less than 10 employees. So now we're over 30. Um, and so I did pretty much all, 
all of the trade shows. And we were at a point where we were doing 80 to 90 something shows a year. And I did a lot of those. And so I, that was an opportunity to get out there and meet people. And as I started to meet people, I am a people person. I love meeting new people. Um, just grew awareness on who Sod Solutions was and a brand and really in depth became um, entrenched in the sports and the golf world because I was at these conferences and at these events and learning and meeting new people. So at that point was able to truly grow a different side of Sod Solutions um, where we were very much producer focused interface. And we were starting to move into interface interactions of with end users on marketing campaigns, but not a lot of direct interactions. And so I grew that whole side of the business on the professional side. Um, did a lot of lunch and learns with architects and would go and visit facilities and um, start working with end users about deciding what they wanted to install. And I, I love how like everything that you're doing, it goes straight towards what you're trying to accomplish at Side Solutions. You know, having the background is critical and it's very hard to find people that have the background to do what needs to get done. Even like what we're talking about the superintendent versus sports field manager, there are people that have not had the construction side of things, you know, that obviously side producing and who you're trying to connect with in a way that your product is being pushed in the right way and you have the right people in you have your product in the right hands of those people. You're able to evaluate that because of your career and what you've done, which is incredible. So I can't thank you enough for that. Um, so what are some challenges you. you had while trying to grow the farm? Uh, so while trying to grow the farm, um, we had plenty of acreage. So for me, it was truly just learning how to grow grass and Sounds surprising, but I, I don't have a degree in turf grass management. Everything I know is hands-on knowledge. And uh, being a young female in my 20s um, in a farming career, I mean, yes, I grew up on the farm. My dad was a farmer, my grandfather, but it was a, a whole different side because I thought my whole life that I would work with children and I would be a child psychologist. I mean, that's what I expected to be. Um, I feel like one someday, so, but, you know. <laughs> hey, it's still a good degree to have. So, yes, very um, much so. I, I think my biggest challenge was just the growing pains of learning and, of course, stumbling and making mistakes. But I utilized the resources and there were individuals that I met in the industry attending shows that I would just call and say, hey, I, I don't know what I've done. Like, I need help. Um, and so I really leaned on a lot of other growers in the area in Florida and Georgia and the Carolinas to to help teach me and educate me and then continue to do education through associations and conferences. God bless you and all the traveling, by the way, 80 a year. Is, no, I, <laughs> I, I get on the plane once and that's it. Maybe twice if I'm not having to pay for I it. Don't, I don't have to do that anymore. Um, I That's my good. travel has scaled back significantly. That's so good. I'm, good. I'm hopefully grateful the two for big it, but ones, it's a right? Hate. Yeah, yeah it's hopefully it's just the two big ones, right? Uh, <laughs> now, with that, obviously, going to all those shows and being a part of all of them, you've probably created one of the biggest networks of anyone in this industry. What has it been like, again, you being a people person, sort of developing those relationships and seeing them sort of come to fruition in your own work? 
Uh, and what is that? What is that feeling like when you see your product in maybe a friend's hands and they just thrive with it when it comes to the product that you guys, again, have incredible stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely the grasses speak for themselves. And I think our company and our owners have done a great job in making selections and our research team and making these selections and narrowing down products that are successful. Um, and a product is only as successful as the end user who's taking care of it. You can have a great product and if it's not put into an application that is right for it, then it can fail, you know, too much shade, the weather, the temperatures aren't correct, et cetera. So, um, when, when you work so hard to encourage a person or convince a person to specify that grass and go with it and then to see it be successful and thrive. Um, you know, there's a lot of personal excitement, of course, for that. And you turn on the TV on any Saturday or Sunday or any sports application and you can look at everybody and say, Oh, that's my grass. That's my grass. That's my grass. And people are floored. And, um, but most of all, I just really enjoy being able to go to these facilities, walk on the field, hear what they love about it, and help them navigate any of their issues. And then at the end of the day, really connecting a turf manager like Travis Hogan with another turf manager that's managing Northbridge and say, hey, here's some tips and tricks that he does, and this is what's successful. Because at the end of the day, that's really what I'm most of the time doing is connecting them with somebody who is just as knowledgeable or even more knowledgeable about managing that turf variety than I am. Absolutely. We actually have both here. We have five different ones, but we have Latitude and Northbridge and they both do great. So uh, yeah, it's incredible. The product you guys put out. Um, Thank you. If I could ask, what is the process like when it comes to, so Northbridge is coming out, you guys get the license for it. How do you move forward with getting that sort of in the sod solutions brand and then pushing it out um, and ensuring that, again, it just continues to grow and continues to be a product that you can then say, okay, well, this might be a better option for you versus this. And just sort of just what's the process in getting it out and uh, building upon what you are starting off at the very beginning with that product, if that sounded correct. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I'm going to fall. I think I follow what you're asking. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm going to approach it from two different angles because I think there's two different angles to this. But um, that process has evolved significantly, especially on the 17 years. I mean, we started in, um, in the mid 90s. And so, you know, it originally started with Toby Wagner, the owner of our company, throwing Palmetto in the back of his truck and driving all around. I mean, <laughs> This is just a totally different side of it. Um, But, you know, what we used to do is we used to have to walk in the door and convince a farm that this is a good product for them to grow. And then they they license to grow it and then they start selling it. And of course, we have to assist in providing them the materials to educate their customers on it and building brand recognition on a larger scale. now, a lot of what we do and what I think is more successful is, you know, we work with the breeders on taking those turf varieties and those programs like we do with the University of Florida, with NC State, Texas A&M, Kansas, all of these institutions that are out there 
building these breeding programs and either one you partner with a state association and the growers to help raise money and fund the program to make selections which then allows the growers to put trials in at their farms and additionally put trials in the hands of their some of their top customers to say give me feedback on how this and have real world observation um and that's a lot of what we do, even if it's not a joint release program is what we call it with a university and a, a group of growers. Then at the end of the day, if it's a variety that comes into our hands is we put it out with some of our top growers and we say, hey, give this to some of your key customers and let's get feedback or the new celebration lines coming out of Mississippi State. I mean, we have those installed in a lot of golf courses and sports applications and we're asking for them to say, hey, tell us what you like and let's take that variety to market. So we've taken, you know, now five grasses and we've narrowed it down to three. And so it's really getting the hand, getting the turf grass in the hands of not just the grower on an agricultural side and what's easy to grow in production, because that's got to be successful, but it also has to be successful for the end user. Um, so that's kind of a twofold answer for you absolutely um something else i'm very curious about from the sod grower that you are and everything what has it been like to see different strategies of growing occur so something like a game on grass with your product versus again what is normally a traditional way of growing the sod what has it been like to see things like that come about and how have you maybe adapted your guys approach maybe talking to a Chad Price saying, hey, we want this to be a game on grass specific. We don't want it to be anything but that. What is that process like? That definitely the end question wasn't that good, but just what has the process been like seeing the growth of sod production specifically for golf courses and sports fields? So if I kind of step back, sod production is very, it's a huge variety and the production side. Um, and a lot of what sod professionals and some of the reason that we really went down this venture of ensuring it is because um, I would get a lot of calls from turf grass managers and say, hey, these are my specifications. Where can I find this? And so I would say, hey, okay, here's a handful of growers that grow, you know, sports turf sod you know, grass that is, fits the sports application, not a residential commercial. And there is a very distinct line between a farm that is a residential commercial farm and a farm that is a professional end user farm. Um, and taking the sod on plastic to the next level with, you know, Chad Price or Precision or any of those individuals, that is a whole nother step above that production. That's sports production side. Um, so there's there's a lot of variability when it comes to how grasses are grown. Um, it's been exciting to see the difference. I, I think it was in 14 or 15. I mean, this was several years ago. It was before I had children. That's kind of how I base everything now. Um, I did several presentations on kind of bridging that gap between the end user a sports turf manager, a golf course superintendent, and the producer. And I did it um, presentation to producers and internally with our producers and brought in uh, Jared Menick and 
Andy, a golf course superintendent from Florida and Jordan Treadway and said, hey, let's talk about what your expectations are for our growers. And let's educate them on, hey, if you want to sell to a high profile venue or you're selling to a parks and racks, which still deserves the same quality, um, or you're selling to a golf course versus, you know, a commercial property around a, a sub like a supermarket that is a completely different growing practice and so how do we do that how do we manage that what are the things that you need to put in place it's not your entire farm that you do it but maybe it's a 100 acre block or 50 acre block you determine what that is so we we talked about the different growing practices that need to be put in place and then also talking on the flip side, I did it at the Carolina show a couple of years ago. Um, and I did it in Ohio too, where it was like, hey, if you want to talk to a grower, these are the things that you need to ask and that you need to inspect um, from them. And now what we do is Solid Solutions Professionals, you come to me, and I'm going to find you what you want. And if it's not right, then I'll pivot and I'll figure it out and I'll get it right for you. So um, I'll inspect it. I'll make sure the grower's doing all the practices to have this grass ready to go. Um, and that's been fun. That is a truly fulfilling opportunity because you work really hard to get somebody convinced and to say, hey, like, I really, truly believe in my gut that this is the right product for you and let's get it right for you. And we may have to go 1,500 miles to get it, but let's go on this adventure and we'll get it right. And then to see it come to fruition is even more exciting. So, um, and I have a personal stake in it. So. Absolutely. And it's always great. I think working with someone and having the opportunity to bounce ideas off of and have a say and really truly be again, sort of a team when it comes to that, that's where it really takes it to the next level of satisfaction for a job well done, you know? So, um, obviously with that, um, creating a network is critical. Um, could you sort of speak to the network of sod solutions on both sides of sp sports turf, uh, golf, and then even maybe HOAs you were talking about all the different landscapes. What has it been like building those separately, but together as a company, if that sort of makes sense, obviously down in Carolina, you were at both shows, probably bouncing back and forth and dealing with all different things. What has it been like developing the entire company within those sort of areas and those markets? Yeah, there's, um, there are a lot of markets that turf grass touches. And it's fun when you tell somebody you're in this business, and they have no idea the depth of what comes along with the green grass that they see everywhere that just is a part of their life. Um, so the reason we do 80, 90, 100 shows is because you have all those areas that you got to get into and going around and experiencing the trade shows and just really finding, hey, these are the strong areas where we can really make inroads. Um, but, you know, now you have the opportunity of a lot of digital advertising. And with the pandemic, a lot of things changed on how people were doing business. And so, you know, we have a really good digital team and uh, a team that puts together, we have a SOD university on our residential website. 
and a team that puts out a lot of good informative articles that aren't just on solid solutions varieties, it's general information for the end user. Um, and then we do that on the professional side as well. So, um, you know, I think that we utilize a lot of resources to build that network. And as I said, I'm a people person. So I loved being home. Don't get me wrong. I truly enjoyed being home when there wasn't any travel. Um, but I, I really love being on the road because what I get to do when I'm on the road is what makes me happy. Um, and to be around people and then to engage and interact with people and people that I've known for 20 years are friends and family to me now. So, um, you know, just getting out and talking to people and spending that time um, in the lobby of a hotel is a great opportunity to network. So, so that's, I truly think there's a lot of face-to-face and we're getting back there and it's exciting to get back there. Zoom's been incredible to keep up the face-to-face opportunities as people have scaled back on their travel, um, but also the digital side of what we do to build those relationships and that awareness. Obviously, like you said, digital awareness is critical nowadays for any company. What has it been like sort of developing those things from when you first started to obviously now where social media plays such a critical role in all aspects of any business? And uh, I, I mean, with our program, it's something that we've tried to implement in our classes, understanding like the the gravity of your social media, whether that's behaving on social media or actually making connections, you know, Um mm-hmm. In the in the end, I I forget who I think it was Tyler Bloom. He mentioned something about how your TikTok might w- eventually be more important to a person than your resume, because in mm-hmm. the TikTok you're managing the fields, you're showing that you know what you're doing. They understand that you know how to operate machinery. They know how to do things like that. I think is incredible to actually like sort of comprehend, you know. And obviously, there's the dark side of social media that no one really wants to see. And I think our industry does a good job of sort of keeping that at bay. But what has it been like being able to develop uh, side solutions on? And again, you guys have a great uh, social media presence and being out there and letting people know what you're up to and products and everything. What has it been like developing that? Because I'm sure you played a huge role in that. I did. Um, I've scaled back significantly in the last few years. And one, largely because I have young children and we've brought in people to do that and as my role has grown and changed within the company, I can't, I can't be doing it all um, as much as I would love to. So um, I, I mean, I grew our presence on Twitter significantly and every year Sod Solutions has an innovative innovator of the year award. And, um, and one of the years I won it for what I did on our social media side. So that was really exciting. I think that was in 15. So that tells you how long ago it was. Um, And so that is key because there are people that I met that I know through social that I may have never met face to face, or I feel like I know them so well, because I know so much about who they are, what they do in their day to day job. I know about their families. And then to be able to keep in touch with people um, on the social media networks is huge just for continuing those relationships and reminding people that when they're looking for a new turf variety or they're struggling with a technique, this person is out there and they may not have seen them in three years, but they come across their social media and they say, oh yeah, I have the relationship with that person. So I think it's vital. I think 
the presence that you put forward um, is extremely important. I Facebook and what social media all came about after college. And I joke with people all the time, thank goodness it did. But I've always been one that like what I put out in front of people, um, I want to make sure that, you know, is something that I would do in front of their face anyway. So I, I think we have to be very cautious with our younger generation too, and educating them that this is actually a lot of times what people are looking at when they're coming to hire you over your resume. You can have a super impressive resume, um, but if there's something on social media that has a negative impact on their opinion of you, that could really hurt you. So um, I think it's key to really teach people how to engage with others on social media as well. Absolutely. And it's it's hard to teach them. That's <laughs> the funny part, you know. <laughs> you'd, you'd hope it'd be pretty simple, but... So you said you won the award for being innovative in 2015. What is one of your favorite accomplishments that you've had in this industry? Oh, okay. Well, that award was with Sod Solutions. Um, one of my favorite accomplishments, there's a lot of things that I'm super excited. I guess one of the things that um, has been fun is I was president of the Florida Turf Grass Association back in 2013. And I was the third female in the history of the association and the youngest president by at least 10 years. Um, and so to be able to fill those shoes and be in an industry that is obviously a very male dominant industry. I love seeing other females come into it. 20 years ago, there were very few of us. Um, but to be able to run a state association that covers the umbrella side of the turf grass industry, so production, sports, golf, LCO, anything and everything that has to do with turf grass, and to be able to go on up here, I live in Tallahassee, but be on the House floor, the Senate floor, and fighting for what makes a difference in our industry um, is probably one of my biggest accomplishments. And I think advocacy is key. I went to DC after I graduated from Florida State to do child advocacy. Um, I've fought a half of the farm bill. I've done a lot of advocacy for our industry. And I think that's important. And so being able to, to step into the role as the president of a statewide association was probably one of the most exciting things. Truly incredible. And congratulations. And thank you. Thanks. For Thank you for being a inspiration to girls like Liz in our program and being able to see that it is possible what you're doing. And again, I can't thank you from the bottom of my heart enough. So um, with that, option, yeah, of course, <laughs> when it comes to the advocacy and everything that goes into that, what are some of the other things that you believe as an industry we need to do better on when it comes to advocating, when it comes to legislation, different things that you obviously are at the forefront of? when it comes to our industry? Yeah, I think um, if we talk uh, about advocacy on the policy side, um, I think we are fighting for, um, for water, for fertilizer, and, you know, especially in Florida, one of our big issues is turf grass and agriculture got a black eye for the red algae blooms and, you know, harming our water resources. And we're not at fault for that. Um, and 
I had some opportunity to work with my sister and her physician, and they've put in a, a huge research program, really looking into the leaching of septic tanks. And so taking those steps to try to educate the policymakers on, you know, turfgrass is not the one who's getting that. We've put the golf BMP program in place. It got approved by the governor that any golf course in the state of Florida that is BMP certified cannot have any restrictions put on them. And that was a huge success that happened this year for the golf industry. And I think it's something that um, Dr. Brian Unruh and the GCSAA is trying to move forward with in all 50 states to protect us that we are the first environmentalists and that we are truly taking care of our planet. Um, I think the other thing is we're fighting for natural grass is fighting for the right. And I know that's a sensitive subject in our industry and there are certain applications for synthetic turf. Um, I do understand that, but I think it is in many applications that we can possibly have natural grass is vital to the success of not only our planet, but to the health of us as humans. And when I was on maternity leave for my second, I made it my mission locally to fight a lot of the changes that our school board was putting in place with transitioning fields to synthetic. Um, probably was just lone little voice and all by myself trying to do it. But you know what? Like I made it my goal on my maternity leave that that's what I was going to do. Um, and as long as I made a good effort, even if I didn't make the full change, I know that I put all my effort into to making a difference and trying to educate somebody. So I think that's very, very important. And then lastly, I think we're fighting for people coming into our industry. And I think, Drew, what you're doing with the students and the children that you have is incredible. And thank you for that, because we need to explain to them that there are a ton of opportunities and we need to stand up for ourselves with the end users and the people that are paying us to, to teach them the value that we have on not just to the athletes and the game and the landscape, um, but also to what we do to help our environment and help the health of our children and our future athletes. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and you, you, you getting me started on the artificial thing is like, oh, <laughs> here we go. No, and that's phenomenal that you did that because there really needs to be more people. And, and it's funny because well, whenever I get started talking about artificial, I'm focusing on safety of players and obviously like playability and whatnot. And like you said, every opportunity, there's no reason for any NFL team not to have a natural grass field with the genetics right. that you guys have put out. Everything is going to be fine. You know, like that's the part that's frustrating about it. Um, but talking to people, like you said, environmental stewardship, what no one other than the NFL can afford to recycle those fields. You know, it's, it's insane to me how, and again, there are school districts that put out like, oh, we're environmentally friendly, but you have every single field artificial turf and you haven't gotten right. rid of one. And it's like, wait a second, you better not be <laughs> claiming to be environmentally friendly when you throw out two acres of plastic and rubber and all of these things, including the pad and everything that's underneath it. Like you don't, they don't comprehend the the carbon footprint, the impact beyond right. just, just the uh, the use of it, you know. And what really mm -hmm. my scariest thing again, I can't get over this, and I'm I'm not mad at them for telling me. Obviously, it's I'm glad they told me. But like people like uh, Ryan Bajoran and Nick Pappas who do phenomenal work, and they they advocate mm -hmm. for 
best playing starters possible, they replace their field every two years. Like, yeah. If that doesn't scare parents, if that doesn't scare school systems, like you're you're using these fields for three, four years past their warranty, like going on eleven years, twelve years, and the NFL, their standard says after two years it's over, you know, and they only play nine home games a year, maybe. And right, how does that not scare you, even a little bit? Yeah, and I think I think that's the information that we have to get to the public and to you know, the soccer moms and I chuckle because my <laughs> kids play soccer. I mean, and, and I've said, if we show up to one of our fields and they say you're on the synthetic field, I'll take my kids and I will walk because I don't want my children on that. Um, and I'm doing everything to protect their health. And I don't feel that that's a safe environment. So I think it's a, it's truly an education and I do think we're getting better. And I think social's helping and it's exciting to see what the NFL and players association is fighting for. So, um, and turf grass producers international, you know, has been working with a lot of their growers about, um, some programs that would help. So I think there's things coming. Is it, is it coming fast enough? No, because a lot of school districts are doing it. A lot of private schools are doing it. And unfortunately, um, you know, when a university or an NFL field does it, although they don't realize how often it's changed, the high school say, oh, well, we've got to we've got to do this because that's what they're playing on in college. And college says we've got to do it because truly at the end of the day, they just want to have a good looking field 24 seven for recruits. Yeah. Um, so we, we have a misconception about what the expectation should be for the players and the end users. And and that's the difficult part is we want things to be perfect 100% of the time instead of understanding that sometimes it's not. 100%. And it's a trickle-down effect. So, you know, when the NFL officially, again, I'm not saying it's happening, but I'm pretty sure it's coming. Whether it's in two years, a year, five years, it's going right. to happen at some point. I'm I'm eyeing the FIFA World Cup and them saying, okay, we're not going back. Mm-hmm. That's that's sort of mm-hmm. what my, my guess would be on that. But you have all these things and no one is taking into account that when it comes down to the bottom, everyone has all these fields already that they have to get rid of and then they have to replace. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when it gets out that it's not safe and it gets out all these things, people are looking at millions of millions and millions of dollars of stuff they could have prevented in the first place, you know? Right. Um, Which has been a big, so our program, uh, I, I won't get into too many details, but when I was my second year, third year or something, uh, we actually had just won national field of the year. And I was told that there was going to be a synthetic field put in our field. I was like, you do that. I'm gone. Like, I'm not, I'm not staying like, there's no point for me being here. Like, um, and then through the kids work and their voice and everything, it got moved to a practice field and we're, we're staying natural. Thank goodness. Um, but it, it's just, it's sad to have all that information out there and no one truly pays attention to it, you know? And yeah, that's awesome. And it takes individuals like you to sit down and truly fight for it. Um, and there's been plenty of good turf managers who have tried to do that and they didn't succeed at it. And it's, yeah. it's sad. Um, but as long as you continue to fight for it, I mean, I always tell people about what Casey Carrick was able to do with his field when they truly. were under construction we're and it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Not and so it's mind. just, 
Right. It's incredible to say, hey, like this is possible. And he did that. And then it didn't matter because coach, new coach came in and, hey, I want synthetic. So, um, but I think we have to teach our next generation and our turf managers to truly fight for keeping it real. And again, I the so. other thing, so we're, I'm presenting at the National Conference about sort of branding advocacy and stuff. But one of the things that I think that is very underlying when it comes to us obviously advocating for our industry, but advocating with the youth about the actual fields themselves, you know, every mm-hmm. single athlete that plays here, like they, whenever they go to an artificial field, they come back like, I hate it. It's the worst thing ever. I wish we were playing our field. Like having kids aware that the safety of their, their health is dependent on the actual mm-hmm. playing surface and the natural grass is the obvious choice. Cause everybody loves it. And Liz, Liz is already not happy about certain things going on here. Uh, she's a lacrosse player and there's a chance they're going to be playing out there. Yeah. But mm. the, the, the trickle down becomes then a generational thing where if we have kids coming up, knowing that artificial turf isn't healthy for them, then it's going to turn out when they're adults, it's not going to longer be a viable thing for anybody. Right. So, Right. I think it's critical in like programs like ours is to also be advocating for that. Obviously, I have like 200 kids that I have the, the opportunity to teach and whatnot, but there's a thousand students in the building. And I we want those a thousand kids to know about that and understand that going into the community. So that's a big thing, I think. And I couldn't agree with you more on that being being able to advocate for that is critical. So, um, yeah, I mean, I tell you tell anybody or a parent or an athlete Playing an artificial time turf field is equivalent to playing three games. One game on an artificial is equivalent to three. And to think about the stress that you're putting on your body just in that alone, um, there's a million other things that I could say. I mean, I I could stand on my soapbox for days. We'll do a that. separate podcast where yeah, we're just that's trashing right. it. We'll do a whole thing. So Once I'm in the I, clear I where I can actually like talk about the way I feel about it with everything, I will we'll do it. I work in a natural grass business, so I'm grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, obviously, with everything, I'm always curious. Uh, you're, you've had an incredible journey to get to the point where you're at. Is there anything that sticks out to you that has been sort of like uh, a fond moment, a fond memory? Obviously, you talked about uh, your accomplishment, again, as the president of the Northern Florida chapter. Has there been anything that has stuck out to you that truly has set in you sort of your passion for obviously working with grass and everything that we do and advocating and going above and beyond, obviously with everything that you're saying for our industry. Um, you know, obviously I have a long tie to agriculture and so that's a passion for me. Um, but you know, if I think about the opportunities, I mean, I've been able to travel the world and, you know, have led a lot of our program in Australia I've traveled to Asia. I've traveled all over the U.S. I've been to some of the most incredible facilities. And to be able to say, you know, all of these NFL, MLB, MLS facilities, colleges, university, minor league facilities, um, you know, to to just think like I've walked on so many of them and I know those guys so well and they're like a brother to me. It's been it's been incredible to have that opportunity. And so although, yes, I was president of the Florida Turf Grass Association. And I've been on countless national and international and statewide and regional committees and boards. I mean, um, 
But to just say, like, I've had the opportunity to engage with individuals and turf managers who have such drive and passion for our industry all over the world and to visit these facilities all over the world has just been one of the most truly incredible parts of my journey and my time in this career. So um, I'm thankful to be able to have that. And that's why I say travel is a love, hate, love traveling, hate the packing, hate the being away from home um, and just the exhaustion that it brings with just flights and cars and everything, but love the opportunity to go and be and engage. So I absolutely love that. Just the perspective of that. You don't really don't take a moment and actually think about that. Cause we just had a moment like that in Charlotte going down to see Danny and those guys. And it was, it's mm-hmm. just, you don't understand the, the truly incredible nature of our industry and being able to do that, you know? So yeah, I, really I learned something new every visit I make, which is fun. So. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, but yeah, there's always something to learn, right? <laughs> right that's right. That's uh, right. If you uh, could take one thing home from every sh- trip conference you go to and put it into perspective and put it, implement it in whatever your daily work is or your life, that is incredible. And sometimes it's not a work-related thing. Sometimes it's a personal. And so I think that's good to just to always be open to those there's learning opportunities at any, at any level. So. Absolutely. Um, with everything, do you have any aspirations when it comes to sod solutions and where you guys are going? Any big projects coming up that you're allowed to talk about, obviously that um, you want to share and just sort of give information about and the awesomeness that you are doing there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sod Solutions has grown in my 17 years significantly, as I've kind of alluded to. Um, We have four different business units and, you know, I now run Sod Solutions Professionals and we've had an incredible year this year and doing some um, amazing golf courses and sports fields, you know, having the opportunity to work with LSU and Kansas City. And I mean, a lot of the minor league teams has been truly fun and we have a lot coming next year. Um, but we also have a lot of new turf varieties that are coming up down the road. Like I mentioned, we have a whole new lineage of celebration that takes everything that you hate about celebration <laughs> um, away from it and has all the attributes that people want, a finer textured, um, minimal seed heads to zero seed heads. So there's a lot of exciting new products coming to life. I'm not as engaged in that as I used to be. Um, and I think my most the biggest excitement is just seeing what we've done with sod professionals and the support that we've had through the industry. Um, this year, just in October, we hired Craig Potts who retired from Texas A&M and I've been able to work with Craig for my entire career with Sod Solutions and to bring him on board has just been incredible. So um, I think we have a lot of growth ahead of us. I think what we do with Sod Pro, as I oftentimes refer to it as, um, is a very niche market. And so providing an end user a, a really detailed level of customer service and support and following that project from A to Z um, is what we want to do. So I think I'm just more excited about what we have coming for next year and the growth that we have ahead of us. Absolutely. And that's incredible. 
I always love seeing those professionals get in on in a company, whether it's uh, products, whether it's turf, whatever it is. It's just great to see uh, them thrive in that next sort of stage, you know. So it's it's awesome. Absolutely. Um, so we always wrap it up on these last two questions, and the this one is not to make anything easier or harder or whatever it is. Um, we're always just curious what people think. If there was one thing that you wish you knew, um when you first started in this industry, what would that one thing be and why? Oh, I was so naive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No. uh... I was so young. You know, I do think that um, when I first started, I really, I I didn't have any knowledge of turf grass. And so just, I wish that I had, before I jumped into it, had done a little bit of turf grass management. Um, you know, I was lucky that we live so close to Tifton and you have ABAC there and several incredible professors and you have the University of Georgia, Georgia Tifton Conference and they all gave me books um, to just take home and read and learn. So I would just say, yeah, I wish that... Um, Sometimes that my knowledge wouldn't have been such an uphill battle, but at the same time, I feel like that's really made me who I am today. What's one piece of advice you would offer someone like me who's looking to go into the turf industry? Oh, I like that. Um, I would say, you know, utilize that passion and that drive that you have as a young professional and go after what you really want. Fight for it. So have faith in yourself. Um, I think oftentimes we doubt ourselves. And so no one, I love seeing that it's a female coming into this business and that you can do everything else that any of those other men on that group can do. So um, just have faith and fight for what you want. I tell them all the time. The females in my program are just better professionals, being meticulous, <laughs> understanding that, hey, you're not supposed to run into that wall with the machine. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. Again. We are very detailed focused. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, you need that in this industry. Otherwise, things that's happen right, and stuff right. goes wrong, you know, right? <laughs> Whoops, that irrigation is not supposed to be on in the middle of the game. Whoops. <laughs> that's that's right. Sure. I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. It's been phenomenal being able to talk to you. And we'll definitely do that podcast on hating artificial turf <laughs> soon. Sounds right? like a great plan. We'll, we'll thank get a you, couple Drew. I people. really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I think we have a running list of people that would be glad to join us. <laughs> all right. You make the list. We'll just, I'll send out all the invites. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to your presentation. And thank oh, you so much for having me on. <laughs>